Hello and welcome to The 1909, the podcast that takes an in-depth look at some of the state news' biggest stories while bringing in new perspectives from the reporters who wrote them. I'm your host, Katie Kelly, and today we will be discussing a feature story on head basketball coach Tom Izzo, a lawsuit against former head football coach Mark D'Antonio being dismissed, and a lawsuit the MSU Museum director recently filed. Thanks for joining us. In our most recent print edition, there was a centerpiece story about men's basketball coach Tom Izzo and his legacy at the university. Here to talk about her story is men's basketball reporter, Jaina Bartle. Thank you so much for joining us today, Jaina. Thank you very much for having me. Yeah, so um, can you talk a little bit about when you first came up with this story idea and kind of how long you've been working on it? Yeah, sure. So um, since I got on the men's basketball beat in November, probably, um, I was kind of just, I wanted to plan out some long-term story ideas because I know there's a of stories that go beyond just like the game coverage and the stuff that they do on the court. And, um, I noticed that it was Izzo's 25th year here as a head coach. So being a kind of milestone year, I thought it could end up being a really cool CP idea in the fact that he has a very decorated tenure and he's done a lot of good things for the university as well as there's lots of, um, like visuals we could pull up, we could, care with it and everything so I came up with it right from the start and um when I got assigned it I kind of just tried he's a really good coach to build a relationship with and he's really talkative to the media and like wants the media to understand him and understand his team and report the best things they can um on Michigan State basketball so I did my like longer term interview with him that I used for the CP maybe um, back in February. So I kind of had it going and then I talked to some of the players as well in February, had it all planned out. And then everything went down with, um, the coronavirus and the tournament got canceled. I know the issue it was supposed to be in was like supposed to be themed March madness. And we kind of had to take a turn on that, but I think I still was able to get across a good story that was able to take people away from the fact that, especially for sports fans, that there wasn't a March Madness to kind of divulge in, like sports were completely put on hold, but I still think it was important to tell the story and be able to reflect back on his tenure in a way to kind of live through the past when there's not much to live through here in the present. Yeah, I was going to ask if um, your CP had to change at all because of, you know, the cancellations um, that COVID-19 kind of caused. Yeah, yeah, it definitely did. I I had like a whole lead and everything figured out. And obviously, it would it would have been kind of awkward to not acknowledge um, COVID-19 and the cancellations it caused. And also, I had reached out to um, maybe try to get some more interviews with Izzo and the players, but it's been it was difficult getting in contact with them, so I wasn't able to get a direct statement from them before I had to publish it. So I definitely had to change the beginning, but what I tried to do then was kind of focus the story on flashbacks. 
So I started it with a flashback to 2000 when they won the national championship. And then in another section, I went on a flashback to Cassius Winston's freshman year when like he had his first interactions with Izzo. I had a flashback to Izzo in college and a flashback to senior night this year. So that's how I kind of tried to restructure it. So it was more looking back at his tenure instead of like evaluating his tenure and how it was going to play out this March with the tournament. And I, I was pretty happy with how it turned out. And I think it ended up um, still being something I could be proud of and something I was glad I got to do. Definitely. Yeah, it's definitely a strange time. And while you're here, I was wondering if you could also talk about the column you wrote kind of about um, everything being cut short, especially, you know, with having the men's basketball beat. Mm -hmm. Can you talk a little bit about how you came up with that column and kind of your process of writing it? Yeah, definitely. I remember uh, I wrote it, I woke up the morning we were supposed to travel to the Big Ten tournament in in Indianapolis, and I sleep kind of late, so I woke up to the email from Big Ten, um, like, saying that they had canceled the tournament, and in that moment, I was just really, really mad, and I know that was selfish to think, but I was, I would, I was just really angry about it, and I mean, for a long time, when I've gotten angry or upset about things, I just like to write about it, and I don't really have an intention on posting it, but I kind of just like to get it all down on paper, and it makes me feel better about things. So I actually started writing the column before the NCAA tournament was canceled. I was just writing it about Big Ten, and obviously at that point I had kind of assumed that NCAA tournament was either going to be canceled or postponed. So I reached out to my editor and kind of I was reading it over and I I thought that it was worth sharing because I think it showed a different perspective of being just kind of like angry and I felt selfish in that emotion but also I think other people felt it too. Obviously it's a really upsetting and like sad time to go through but it's also kind of I felt I felt like I wasn't the only person who was kind of mad not only for sports but there were other things that were canceled for other people or study abroads I know I had one in the summer and now I'm not going on that anymore either so right in the moment it was kind of just a lot of anger and I tried to write it all down on paper and it made me feel a lot better and it I'm not a big column writer but writing it in the moment right there like when I was really mad and it was all so fresh and everything was running through my mind um uh, that's that's kind of how I started to write it yeah and I guess um how do you see the rest of your semester going in terms of being a sports reporter yeah definitely it's definitely taken a different turn but it's definitely I mean I have a lot of sports journalism classes and a lot of my professors have said like you can learn a lot from this and this will be like something interesting to talk about in your future if you're like applying for jobs and things so I know on the sports desk we've been working a lot more collaboratively like the beats have kind of disappeared and we're all in our group chat with different ideas Uh, and I know they're doing we're doing some reflections back on like significant MSU sports moments and we also are starting a series now where we're analyzing um, a March Madness bracket by ESPN so we're kind of going through it and we're going to 
predict how we think it would have gone out. So we're starting that too. So it, it's been just more like lighter kind of fun work, but just trying to fill the void without sports for people and working more as a team than just as like individual beat reporters. Yeah, that's awesome. Um, yeah. Is there anything else you wanted to say about your CP or your column or anything else? Um, I mean, covering men's basketball has been something awesome this year and it's been really rewarding. And I think I've grown a lot as a reporter. Um, yeah, I guess the, like my CP, I liked how I didn't expect it, but it was kind of the last probably official article I'll write for men's basketball this season. But I think it ended in a good way because the interviews I was able to do and the people I was able to talk to, I it definitely marked the closer like relationships I made with the players and coaches as a reporter where I feel more comfortable talking to them and it's it's an article I can look back on and appreciate like the growth I made as someone who can ask like questions that are going to get good answers and translate those answers into um, telling a good story that could hopefully bring people back to the thrill that sports usually gives us at this time. Yeah, definitely. Well, thank you so much for joining us, Jaina. Thank you, Katie. A federal judge recommended the dismissal of Curtis Blackwell's case against former Michigan State football coach Mark D'Antonio and other former Michigan State officials. Here to talk more about this story is Sean Ryder. How are you, Sean? Doing all right. How about you? Oh, good, good, good. Um, So you recently wrote a story on how um, the lawsuit against Mark D'Antonio was... Um, dismiss. Can you talk a little bit about that? So it was basically recommended to be dismissed by um, U.S. Magistrate uh, Sally J. Barons. Um, she filed a recommendation, and basically what she said is that Curtis Blackwell, former um, MSU director of recruiting, um, his lawyers repeatedly misused court process to actually agitate defendants, and among the defendants is Mark D'Antonio, Luana K. Simon, and Mark Hollis. Um, basically the lawsuit that's going to be dismissed most likely is, um, his wrongful termination suit against the university and the football program. His wrongful arrest um, suit is still on the table. Uh, she did not recommend that to be dismissed. So they're going to keep going forward with that, but it's very likely that his wrongful termination suit is over now. What, I guess, can we maybe expect moving forward, or what is something that people should be, like, looking out for? Well, I mean, D'Antonio and Luana K. Simon and Hollis, I mean, they're not going to be have to, they're most likely not going to have to head back to court anytime soon for this. Um, so their names are going to be out of the paper for that. Um, basically, a U.S. Um, district court judge has to, you know, concur with the recommendation, for it to be completely dismissed. So I think we can expect a decision to be made on that in the next week. So I would look out for that. Um, it's very likely that they concur with the decision, but, I mean, you never exactly can be sure. And if they don't, then this case will continue to go on. Is there anything else you think readers should know about the story you wrote? 
Um, I would just say, you know, keep paying attention to any developments that are made in the um, wrongful arrest um, suit. Uh, that's going to still be in the news as it keeps going on. Um, it's unlikely that Blackwell is going to keep going on with his current, um, you know, prosecution and defense team right now. Uh, his lawyers, Thomas Warnick and Drew Patterson. Patterson actually is on the hook for about a $10,000 fine for um, using unnecessary resources and spending too much time, allegedly, in the discovery period to not really get any interesting evidence in the pretrial process. But yeah, I would just keep paying attention to that and go from there. All right. Well, thank you so much for joining us this week, Sean. Thank you for having me. Mark Oslander, director of the MSU Museum, recently filed a lawsuit March 3rd against Michigan State and three people he alleges violated whistleblower protections. Here to talk more about this story is administration reporter Maddie Monroe. Thanks for joining us, Maddie. Yeah, absolutely. So can you start out by giving kind of a brief overview of how this whole story, like, started? Yeah, absolutely. So um, the MSU Museum Director, Mark Oslander, was um, accused of plagiarism um, and some other research misconduct a couple of months ago, and he was found guilty of that, um, and he was suspended from his position until in January, I believe, um, until further notice. And then um, most recently, um, Mark Oslander filed a lawsuit against MSU and the lawsuit um, is on three accounts. So the first is um, that he that he alleges violations against whistleblower protection. So that's like the big part of it. Um, and that was filed in early March. Um, and then he is also alleging that there are three doctors, so it's Dr. Dewhurst, McDowell, and the anthropology professor, William Lovis, um, that they worked together in an effort to um, retaliate against Dr. Oslander and cause him both reputational and financial harm. So is Oslander still suspended as of yes, right now? He is. Uh, currently, he is still suspended, yes. And has he de- he's denied the claims? Um, yeah, so he has denied all claims of... Um, of plagiarism and research misconduct. Yeah, so I guess what should readers kind of look out for moving forward with this whole situation and the lawsuit? Yeah, so the lawsuit is still ongoing. Um, to keep up to date on the most recent activity, uh, you can always check back up on statenews.com until there are further court dates and such set up. All right. Well, thank you so much for joining us, Maddie. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks again for joining us this week on The 1909, the podcast that takes an in-depth look at some of the state news's biggest stories while bringing in new perspectives from the reporters who wrote them. You can follow us on Twitter at The S News, on Instagram at State News, and on statenews.com. We'll be back next week to unpack more stories.